Hello, Rich Bolas here. A big thank you for downloading the Dad Mindset Podcast, where we explore different perspectives on fatherhood with the aim of becoming less bad at being a dad. This episode, I interview Davin Hanna. Davin is a highly successful product designer for Bellroy and talks about everything from blurring the lines to what it's like to grow up in the Steiner school system. He also describes how he's trying to recreate an environment for his boys that will help them be as spellbound and excited by the world as he was growing up. I hope you enjoy this chat with Davin Hanna. Davin Hanna, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rich. Now, Davin, you are probably my favorite designer in the whole world and possibly the most creative person I know. So can you tell us what it is you do and what inspired you to do it? Oh, that's very humbling. Thanks, Rich. Um, I have had design and the arts and the creative world part of most of my life. They were the things that kind of got me sparking as a young kid. Um, and I feel a little bit that I've sort of ended up designing as a, just a bit of a journey of life's choices and paths that have kind of led me here. Um, I now work with a brand called Beroy that you know. Um, we work together, um, and I work within product design, um, but I also work within um, CMF, which is like the color materials and finishes as well, which means that I get to spend a lot of time um, geeking out on materials as much as I do within design as well. Um, yeah, that's like a little quick snapshot. Great. Now, you have two boys, yes. Albie and Sully. Yep. How old are they, and in what ways are they similar or different to you? Ah, good questions. Um, so Albie's six; he'll be he'll be seven in sort of a couple of months. Um, and Sullivan's four. They are total bitses, um, like of I think of of me in some some ways, and then in other ways they are completely polarizing to me. So I think Sullivan has a lot of my. The younger of the two has a lot of my sort of emotional and um, sides of me, the impulsive um, sides of me. Um, I like to think they both are picking up the parts of me that is the tinkerer and the maker and the fixer and restorer of things, all the things that I sort of learnt to be by shadowing my dad as a, as a kid. Um, they've both got – I'm very proud that they're starting to shape up with my sense of humour – which is a which is a big grin. It it sets up for lots of fun enjoyment within the family where we get to kind of have that banter and that we're all on on course with <laughs> what we what we you know would indulgently say is the best humour in the world in the Hannah house. Um, and so I think they're the things that are starting to become a little bit special. There's little bits of sporting and loving of the ocean and nature and things that that were part of me, but there are a couple of the things that kind of spring to mind. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Now, you've had such a creative upbringing, especially with your mom's career in Steiner schooling system. Yeah. What are some of the things that you're trying to recreate for the boys? Yeah. Um, I think the Steiner, the Steiner um, education and the entire um, space that that schooling system kind of offers is something that's definitely close to my heart. It was a big part of my whole life. Um, we're 
Sorry, um, how how would you describe it? Actually, I should have asked that first. Um, it's a it's a really a really hard one, and I've said I've said to you also. Um, I'm going to get you to come and have an interview with my mum, who's sort of she's got about forty years of Steiner early childhood education behind her, and she's in the process of um, sort of building her uh, and writing a, a series of books that that are about her journey and her experiences in that space. I think for Steiner, for me, is this is a real personal take because I think there's a lot of different interpretation and I get incredibly nervous describing it because I am so far from being able to articulate that as well as a lot of great educators in that space. But I think for me it is about it's an environment where the children are expected to be capable and competent to be able to grow into adults with their own path. Um, and I think it's another way to like quickly summarize also would be that like conventional education maybe is this idea that that the teacher holds all of the knowledge or needs to have greater knowledge than the child and to pass that to the child in order to have the success of someone growing and learning and i think the steiner stream probably differs in that where i think it's more about it's not a it's a, not a measure of pace. It's that competence and capability and trust that that child will get there, and that the only important thing is not pace. That they're actually moving forward in that in that life journey. And I think, I think also the other really key factor too when we talk about the educators is that that they are actually worthy to be around the kids who are learning through all of their senses not just not just processing or touch or sound it's a whole sensory thing is the belief within the child within the the that education stream for me and that there is a huge amount of mimicking um and a huge amount of through all of those senses and making sure that that teacher are they actually the best person of themselves that is worthy enough to be around those kids and they need to constantly be on a, in a development journey um, to make sure that they're going to actually just really allow that child to be on that path of trusting that they'll get there. Um, and so I think that's sort of some high-level things, but if we get back to more like tangible things around what my home and the things that we sort of do, I think thinking about all of those senses is – making sure that the things that, that my boys are playing with are things that are real and are realistic representations of things that are in the world. So I think, like, plastic's an interesting conversation around that. Um, and, but I think an easier one to latch onto is around, um, you know, materials and woods and and um, and things that, that are real representations of the world. They carry weight, they carry density, they carry sound and timber and all of those things. So... I won't go down the really long rabbit hole of what Steiner education is um, too much beyond that, but I think it's also worth noting my boys aren't at a Steiner school, um, and that for us was a really hard thing from my side, wanting to sort of recreate the great experience that I had. Um, but we had to weigh into all of the factors of, well, what does 40 minutes in a car in a morning and a night take away that we can't? that we can actually give that 40 minutes and make sure that we are down at the beach for that period of time in, in a day or that we, and realizing also that my home represents 
a lot of those things, while they not may not be the entire Steiner experience, that just really trusting that there's enough of that within both my part, my wife Lauren and myself's world and home and the things that we do, that that's going to enrich them in those ways within that 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 part of their journey. Yeah. Now it sounds like art and music is a big part of that for you. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I think maybe it was just something that I just became quite good at and just enjoyed doing, and it gave me great satisfaction from a young age. Um, and so I think I do the things that bring me joy and happiness. And so um, I had, I had sort of music in my early days. Um, I remember um, my old man basically playing me music every night to fall asleep. Like Don on, the, on the guitar? Yeah, or? Chuck Berry and Don McLean and like just just folk music and a little so bit of... So would he play like a, a tape or an actual instrument? He, he would sit and play and sing at the end of my <laughs> at the end of my bed every night. Um I was sort of I got I got a little bit more precious time with my old man because I think I come from a family of three. Um an older brother and an older sister and I um, had sort of a seven-year gap between them. And so to a certain degree, a lot of them were um, in the cool zone or distancing themselves probably a bit more from um, my dad's needs on a nightly basis of like, leave me alone, dad. I'm listening, listening to Bon Jovi or Skid Row or, you know, <laughs> rock music in the other room. And, and I was still able to kind of um, get a little bit of what he was really able to freely give. So, yeah, I had a lot of a lot of that around. Um, my dad's an illustrator and... Um, and and always did sort of cartoons and creative drawing and and he was always just sort of a, a a maker and a woodworker and a fixer and just he gave everything a go and he got good at it because he worked at it and so I think everything from you know restoring restoring bits of furniture to you know fixing wooden toys or things that we'd broken or having an idea and just wanting to create it so I think those are the things that are starting to appear in my boy's life as we go as well. They're things that I kind of make a call of like, they're like, hey, dad, so something like this is broken or hey, we want to do this. And I kind of steer them to what I can kind of give in that, oh, let's try and make it. We, um, I think we embarked on some basket weaving last weekend where we, we, um, they, the boys sort of wanted something and we just sort of went and got some bits of trees from, from some local willow trees. Um, and we just decided to give it a go. And so we ended awesome. up, we ended up on a day and a half of basket weaving and shield making. And, <laughs> um, and I think, I think just another part is that I'm lucky that I can kind of immerse myself and have time to be able to do that. Um, but that's just a conscious decision that I've made that I want to be involved and immerse myself and, um, and be there for the boys to be able to explore that stuff while the short time that they actually want to. Hang out, hang out, hang out with me. <laughs> I know yeah. it's a pressing thought on your mind, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah. we've only got this short window yeah. of you know yeah. clear time, I guess, yeah. before other interests take yeah. over. Absolutely. Um, and so I think that music's now sort of something that I'm consciously doing myself, but also out of necessity too. Like you know, I work full time, and we sort of juggle um, Lauren's work as well, and the kids are coming home. You know, we've got little amounts of windows, so me fitting in sonra songwriting is actually i'm combining that with me um 
giving them 40 minutes or sometimes an hour or sometimes it's only 20 minutes and playing a song, but I'll do that for them. Lights out, post story, play the music, and I'll be recording what I'm doing, not that dissimilar to what we're doing now, and those poor kids have to hear all the songs that don't make it anywhere or the little hooks or the little things that I'm playing, but I think ultimately they'll shout out at me and give me pretty quick, fast feedback of like, <laughs> Heckle. yeah, that shit, stop doing that, it's <laughs> hurting my ears. Um, but I think that's also me just finding the time for my creative outlets that I still want to be doing, but I also know that it's not me sitting down and saying, right, we're going to work on scales now, or right, we're going to sit down and work on you learning these four chords within guitar, but it's me giving them the opportunity to be surrounded by the music and hope, hopefully they're absorbing and they'll choose to, to step in and take a little bit of as we go. Yeah. That sounds awesome, Davin. You haven't heard it. You might not know which, <laughs> but thanks for the kind words. So one of the habits you mentioned a while back was when you actually play guitar at the breakfast table. Is that one of those sort of times of the day where you've gone, right, I'm checking it in. Let's do this. Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit more selfish on my own part rather than um, than me going, right, this is child experience time that I'm, I'm going to be teaching them. So I think the music, you know, the music for me is sometimes just striking while I've got something that I'm feeling good about doing. And, and those guys I know are also around. So sometimes that's on a weekend where it might just be on a, in a morning where we, where we have a little play. And there's been times where they're like, dad, we don't want to hear this. Can you play a song that we know or the wiggles or something? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit more obscure than that. I've sheltered them from the wiggles. Don't, (laughs) don't tell them what that is. Um, and so I think there's a little bit of that that's, that's, um, it's probably, I'll be honest and say it's mostly self, selfishly driven for myself of like, hey, I've got this idea that I'm working on and I want to keep chipping away at it. I think the night one's probably a little bit more of a, of a focused, this is going to be something that might be soothing and helpful for you guys to get to sleep, a bit of white noise if you like, um, that's more around me trying to give them something that I know they might need to help settle because it's been a busy afternoon we wrestled for an hour or we did whatever we did that that brought sort of high energy um so yeah that one's probably a bit more in that space are there any other rituals or routines that you and lauren have built into the day that you think could work really well with the boys um lauren is she's our she's our movement and activities guidance counselor for the family (laughs) um where I mean, she's, that's her space. She works in, she works in sort of physiotherapy um, and strength and conditioning and movement. And, and she's been on a whole range of different journeys there within her career. And I think she's worked a lot within sports um, over the years. And so that's a big part of our life that's brought mostly through Lauren. And I'm really grateful for it too, because I get exposed to it. Uh, and that's a, that's a great part. So I think like family walks and, um, and making sure that we're just conscious, consciously helping to have tools there for two boys with really high energy and intensity that we sort of joke a little bit that we, you know, we are really walking the dogs. Um, <laughs> so I think that whether that, you know, the walking the dogs um, nose tap is is us heading over to the local soccer pitch and playing for an hour after dinner before bath time or whether that's us knowing that we've got to go and sit down for a dinner for a little bit we make sure that we're 
we're giving the boys something else that they really are going to need before we're asking them to, not wanting to ask them to sit still for two hours or anything like that. That's just doesn't seem fair and right for, for those guys that are just, they're just so entrenched in their body's energy and, and, and the phases that they're at as well. So I think, yeah, we're really lucky there. I think like we've got a studio at home that's Lauren's business that's maybe hard to describe, but maybe think about like, um, like racks, big steel framing with like chin up bars and, um, like in a big grid with suspended gym rings, um, and sort of soft flooring. So, and ropes and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's amazing with with a rope. So, and I think those boys are swinging and coming out and acting like monkeys. It's basically a gymnasium, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's got some harder surfaces. There's a few knocks that we come away with than, than maybe full gym mats and that sort of thing. But I think that's been a big part of them, like of their life. Like they've grown up and there's been times when Boz is treating, um, and she's got clients that she's doing strength work with and they're, they're in there shadowing like, um, and close friends that have come over and had physio treatment and all of a sudden a small third hand appears on your back <laughs> and it's giving you a little bit of extra mobbing of the spine. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. and so I think, yeah, that's a big, that's probably another big part of the boy's life that certainly comes from a space that I'm not able to drive, but really grateful that it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And just going back to the point you made earlier. So if you're taking the boys out for a meal and yep. you know they're going to have to sit still for a while, would you literally go and get them to cut laps in a field? For yeah, that's a like an beforehand? hour at a minimum 40, 40 minutes at a playground. Or we might go for a walk beforehand or think a little bit about what that goes. Because we know what, it, out of experience what it looks like when we've just ask them to um to just follow our path and not include or think about what their day feels like or what their day looks like and for us to just assume and treat them like they're they're adults that will that will want to and feel comfortable just sitting down and having dinner or whatever that might be that's it's, great that yeah. you're so mindful of their needs before that's, asking them to do something that is out of some out of their comfort zone so to speak yeah I, and i don't want it to sound too much like uh, this high level, high level of um, understanding from their side. I think it's also out of our necessity too that those guys will be a little bit spent, and we can actually sit down because we know what it looks like when we don't. It's it chaos. tastes so much better when you can actually yeah, eat all food, of it. The food tastes better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, your parenting style—how different do you think it is from your mum and dad's? Um, I don't think that it at all is that different i kind of see myself probably as a bit of a sum of probably my father and my mother to a certain degree and i think the thing that probably separates that is then the other half of the you know the parenting which is lauren's side that that comes in and really brings out all of the other the other areas that are that are unique from what might have been sort of the hannah side of the family um and so i see i see the sort of the calm nurturing completely present parts of me that are that are my mother that I see in what I do and then I also know when I do lose it my cool I see more of the emotion of my father probably come into it where I'm a bit more hot-headed and just need to walk away or get frustrated and and those sorts of moments um that's me kind of polarizing the parents a little bit as the good and the cop the good cop and the bad cop but um I think there's other there's other little bits and pieces there around more the rhythm and the, those other great things that my old man has contributed and my mum. So, yeah, 
I was thinking about this recently and I, I do feel like a real sum of the parts of those two, which is, you know, just a reflection that, that you go through when you become a parent, a greater level of empathy or perspective for what your parents have gone through and just Absolutely. reflecting on, reflecting a lot on, um, yeah, the parts that I've been able to sort of take and also trying to reflect on the things that you know you've picked up on that you probably could just want to brush to the side if you if you can as well. So being really conscious of those, that's a harder one. Still yeah. working on that. Yeah, because those are the ones that jump to the fore, usually in a moment of desperation, I guess, or <laughs> reflex. Yeah, yeah. So coming from a Steiner schooling system, yep. do you think you've taken anything well, you, you obviously must have, but taken certain things into your parenting style that wouldn't necessarily be as mainstream? Yeah, I think so. I think I think of a lot of it is not just in my consciousness either. I think I think a lot of and I've not done a lot of analysis of it, and I think it might be more apparent for people sort of looking in. But for me it's just like I my home was always had elements of, you know, 80% Steiner. Um, and I think the rhythm that I had was um, being sort of the younger child I spent and my mum being a full-time teacher as well. I spent a lot of my time at that school as well in those early years. So I think that whole home and even when you walk into their home now that is kid-free and mostly set up a little bit to kind of support the drop-ins from the grandchildren, <laughs> um, that is still carries a lot of that that Steiner feel. What characteristics would there be? Um, How could you spot it if you walked into a, a house? Architecturally, um, in the way that the extension of the home and the materials and the finishing, I think um, the kitchen was designed by um, Tim Coffey, who is a um, an amazing carpenter and designer and maker of timber, and he's worked for years and years and years within the Steiner School. Um, he was a close family friend and he's been involved in actually building the kitchen that's in, and so in, in my parents' home at the moment. And so I think you would be able to walk through a Warrandite Steiner school or a St Kilda Steiner school and see the Tim Coffey DNA that would feel oh, wow. as distinct as seeing a, 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 um, a marks of a, of an artist or a, or a, or a designer in that sort of regard or, or a craftsman. Um, and I think also just all the toys and the things that my mum's drawn to because it's what she knows and what she does. They're the things that are there. They're handmade wooden um, shapes and forms from wood that are bridges that are that are open ended. They're not. It's not a house with painted windows. They're half a log that's has a little suggestive shape that can be a Noah's Ark or it could be a house. It can be open-ended enough that it can be whatever the creative curator at the time is is wanting to create in fr free and open and uninterrupted play no that's a great point because i find that a lot of the times when you when kids get a present that's bought typically it has a very finite shelf life as in you can use it for its purpose but then it's done and you oh i've done it okay great well that can go on the shelf now Whereas, you know, something like Lego is way more, I think, universal. Although a lot of the Lego sets are becoming much more, okay, you build the Hogwarts castle and 
there's not much else you can build. I mean, you can, but a lot of the kits are now almost like so unifunctional. It's like, oh, the Batman helicopter or something. There's not much else you can make with it. Whereas the old style Lego is brilliant. You know, you could just run as far as you wanted. Yeah, I think I think that's that feels right to me and true as well. I think, yeah, I think it's all the boundaries have been put there already. This yeah. is this is the this is the end in mind. This is what you these are the boundaries you're supposed to build. Um uh, and I think it's like maybe something else I can kind of relate it to is like coloring in breaks my heart watching watching a small child being given heavy black outlines that are like borders that you're not supposed to cross and it's a measure of accuracy and skill that just doesn't there's boundaries to the creativity to it and it's like yeah i think that's probably a similar kind of parallel that i'd sort of draw from from the lego one as well but i think that's something i keeps appearing in my home and i work really hard to make sure those things aren't there yeah i can't control what's happening in the school but i make sure that um when my boys are painting that they've got or drawing that they they don't have hard lines and but and a perception that there's something they need to follow. Um, and that's, for me, just allowing them to not not feel like they have to have an outcome when they start. They can sit down and creatively express themselves and not and, and not have a measure or boundaries or constraints. Or judge, be judged. Yeah, yeah, that they actually got creative freedom. And that comes down to the... That comes down to the materials and mediums that I give them as well. I don't want them to use a texter or a, or a pen that you put the line down and it's a black and white edge between where it finishes. I kind of enjoy watching them play with paints and um, and pastels or things that they can smudge and and learn about blending of colours and all of those things. That there's just I think that starts to get probably a little bit more in you know some of that sensory stuff within sort of like Steiner and it's it's kind of one hundred and one within that space i won't go too deep into it but i think they're the sorts of things that i'm thinking of when i'm setting out and laying out the things for my boys to be creative with like how much room have they got to actually just surprise me so that i can just go wasn't that just amazing i never could have planned that what those guys are now doing like and that's what creative play is for me it's them just being able to find something that i can't have preconceived or planned and so like the pastels or, say, the charcoal and yep. stuff like that is a great example. Are there any other examples that you might set up at the weekend with the boys? Um, yeah, I think the things you and I were even talking about, that hearing the things that you're doing with your kids at the moment with, like, just building huge cubbies. And I think just having having really good mediums around them that you could easily have purchased a house that is all plastic, that is all put together and and has the little has the picket fence and the the white house and everything but i'm my heart just lights up when i hear you talk about having big cloths and clamps to be able to like tie them to structures and for me that's like that's an open-ended play experience because they're the things that that i had freedom to do you know like we were at the local park with sticks and branches and like whatever you could find just to to build the things that are that are creative and allow you to just follow your imagination. And so I think those other things around like cubby making, they're all the things we're probably all doing, 
but I think it's really good talking about them because if you're not being aware of those great moments that are really flexible and, and, and have that manipulation for the child to really drive, we also need to be highlighting the ones that are clearly not. And they're those, they're those, they're those um, objects that I've described that I won't go into too many more as well. But well, yeah. I, I like the point you made about the colouring in because we got at one point I remember them coming across a colouring in picture, and my my instinct was like, okay, how can we break the rules here? Like someone wants us to fill in these gaps. What can we do that's going to actually mess with this and disrupt what they want us to do? And so they were colouring in weird ways, well, and different ways to the way it was supposed to be used. And it was so much fun because they were like, oh, especially for the eldest one who loves following rules. And yeah. it was like, what? Oh, you mean outside? I was like, yeah, to hell. And what color do you think they wanted that to be? Yep. Let's let's go with a crazy different color. Like, it, And it was a really interesting exercise that, you know, just came to the fore. I think we were in Bunnings or something, you know, those yep. sort of the little play areas. And um, I'm looking for new ways of doing that sort of stuff. Almost like... Um, enforced breaking of rules, yep. like in a safe way. Yeah. Uh, what, what's someone really wanting us to do here? Do we want to do that or should we just do something different? My boys came back from school with a, they had made their own trees where I think they had, they had in art class, they must have had straws, like plastic straws and sticky tape and they'd stick to leaves to these trees. And, and it like, it really worked me up. <laughs> like it was a it, it was brought home and like look at this amazing thing and i was just i i was trying to, hide, to be I, had, I did i did i had to just internalize it but i also took action on it so like the one or the, the one of the following weekends like we went we live opposite um we live opposite um the school where my boys go and um We've got a lot of beautiful gum trees. I mean, like the part of the world we're at right now, we're overlooking the ocean right now. It's pretty good, isn't it? We're pretty it's lucky. Pat's, Pat's on our own backs. Um, we we went on a little walk and I just said, right, we're going to go gather some sticks and we're going to make something, right? And I hadn't worked it out yet, but I knew it was kind of me just trying to show another way than what had been imparted on the boys. And um, we went and gathered gum nuts. We were running around we were getting swooped by magpies we were also trying to id the different gum trees and the eucalypts that might have had the gums or the nuts or the seeds and so we spent maybe like 20 minutes to an hour kind of thing hunting around the school and collecting different types of leaves and sticks and as we started doing that the boys were just bouncing off ideas on what they were making or what they were gathering for they both had their own baskets and they were collecting all of these items and and when we got back like i was I think in my mind I sort of was going to help them recreate the tree in the way that I wanted it to be, that was like, let's get a log, or we'll, I'll help you drill some holes, but you can be involved with that, and we'll, we'll place the sticks in the holes and we'll drill small little holes and place the other sticks and actually make something without sticky tape and straws. Like that's, And the gum nuts can be part of it, and we'll just free play and see what happens. And um, the boys took it upon themselves. They went down a completely their own creative path and I was able to just kind of sit back and be really proud that they kind of had it and it was a little moment for me to also go back off helicopter as well <laughs> like um to be able to go well, they're actually getting all of this 
and um, and the things that are coming at them that I see as like, oh, these really critical moments that I'm latching onto, they're probably just brushing off the shoulder a bit more than I was sort of reading into. But I now know when we walk back through, they know which of the trees have got the certain birds in it. They know which ones are the gum trees and which ones don't because where they fall. And I couldn't have predicted any of that if I'd set out, hey, this is the activity A, B, C, colour within those lines. But, I mean, that's like just a bit of a stream of consciousness of a recent activity of that we sort of did that I guess sort of captures that kind of idea. That's great. Thanks for dealing with my rants, Rich. <laughs> no, no, love it. Love it, Dave. And so with with, um, with parenting, what advice would you give yourself starting over as a parent? What do you think you've learned over the, these last years? Um, I think probably that you know more than you probably give yourself credit for. Um, I worry lots about like education ideas and all of those things. And I think that last little example that I kind of touched on is just being okay and knowing that the environment that I make is a safe, creative representation of the thing that I want to give to them. I, like, cause I look back to my childhood and I had a, I had an amazing childhood and an upbringing. I felt excited by the world i felt optimistic i felt like i had choice and endless possibilities and i felt like spellbounded at all like it was it was a great childhood and i think that for me a lot of it's trying to mirror the things that that felt great about that for them and so i think there's times where i feel like i've got really challenging parts that i've got to kind of navigate whether that's education decisions or um social pressures amongst other groups or whatever it might be attending parties where i know that they're going to get invited to 30 or 40 parties in a year and they're all going to be themed pokemon and frozen and they're all going to have gift bags that are going to be full of plastic and lollies and candy and trying to navigate those things they're the things that stress me out they're kind of first world problems they're not too bad i'm doing pretty well if that's you know my my sort of stress levels but i think just trusting the values that i feel like I've been given and staying the course on those, but also really always keeping open ears because there's so many wise people around us. I lean a lot on my parents just to sort of say, hey, this just happened. This is how I dealt with it. What do you think? Do you think there's any way that I could have done that a little differently? We had one recently about where a door was slammed on a hand and closed shut on oh, a finger. Age. Yeah, and just sort of trying to really reflect not only dealing and making sure that the one person's okay but also just that how i choose to behave is going to set the tone for how albie in this instance is going to deal with the same situations in 20 or 30 or 40 years time if he chooses to have kids was it an accident or was it it was an angry no you're not coming in the door yeah slam the door and somebody was actually running in to tell him something about that was actually helping his older brother out but he was just caught up in his own moment, you know, and the finger was fine. It was all good, no breaks, any of that thing, but just also, yeah, just those moments. I think I'm, I'm not going away and reading the top 10 bestsellers on how to handle kids. I'm actually just really lucky that I can lean on my mom or my siblings that are, that are both parents as well um, and that have got years of experience. 
soundboarding with people like you as well that have got kids, you know, like, and just using those networks to be able to go and do a little reassess of those critical moments because it's really hard in the moment to not lose your cool and yell and freak out and to know that's how you're educating your child to also be when that happens in 30 years' time. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. Uh, I, the, when you told me about the door, it just made me cringe because I had a situation with Will recently where I was packing to go on a work trip. Yep. It was late Sunday night and he was shouting, Dada, Dada, you know, and I was just packing in the garage and I was just finishing up thinking, oh, I've just got to get this done and then I'll spend some time with the kids. And he shouted again and again and again. I was like, what is it, Will? I'm in the garage. And I told him about three times, I'm in the garage. Like, come and talk to me if you want to talk to me. Don't shout. And he shouted again and again. And then I just got up a little bit frustrated, way like more frustrated than I normally would be because I'm usually pretty okay with that sort of stuff. And I always go through the garage gently. And I, I've never gone through in a rush. And I went through in a bit more of a rush than I normally would because I just wanted to get some stuff done and I was like what is it Will and I opened the door and he just got on the other side and it lifted his big toenail off and I was devastated because that one moment I knew that I opened that door way faster than I normally would because I wasn't keeping my cool and he copped it big start like I felt so bad and he was he was in tears because it ripped his toenail off luckily it started to grow back but I just felt terrible you know, and oh, and that, and I knew there and then. I was like, that was all on me. Like, I mean, I, I, I didn't know he was on the other side door, just reaching for the handle. Yep. But I know that that door you can't see through, and it's a heavy fire door. You know, you go through, and you always go through gently. And I went through that a little bit faster than I normally would because I was a little bit frustrated, and I just felt really, really bad. Don't worry, I'm up to bad parenting two hundred and eighty-seven. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Can you give me an example to make me feel better? <laughs> oh, no, but I, I think about the same moment um, where, so I've been completely deaf in one ear my whole life, um, as long as I know. Like, I think they found out when I was about maybe two or three, when I, or maybe a little older, I might have been four, and back in the old days where we used to have telephones, remember those on the wall? Yeah. The, um, the, the old, old days. Yeah, the old, <laughs> old days. And, and I was picking up calls and, and, going hello hello and hanging up and that was when they sort of first worked out that I was deaf and um so I've got no nerves in one side of my 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 hearing um and so there's nothing I can do to do that other than to maybe mirror some other things but that's not the point I think my dad his whole life has held on to this moment where I was about 18 months old and I had a broken leg and he walked into uh, the neighbor's house who had low ceilings and he walked straight into a ceiling fan that hit me across the head. The, oh, so the you blade, were on his I was on his shoulders because I had a broken leg at the time. Um, and I was wearing my cast off, so they just used to have to carry me everywhere to try and keep the cast from having to put it back on yeah. over and over and over again. And so he walked into a ceiling fan and it hit me, split my head open, the blade, oh, knocked me to the floor off his shoulders. Um, and, I mean, it's not until he, – he's lived his whole life feeling like connecting the dots it hit me on the same side that I'm deaf and believing that he's the cause for me not being able to hear like um and, and so I think that's something he's carried his whole life and until recently I've had more tests done just in the last sort of 12 months and the um 
the specialists actually believe it's more a genetic thing and it's really unlikely. Like it is, he thinks 99.9% likely and the, the, the damage that trauma would have had to have been done to my head for it to be my father and that incident, he's just gone, no chance. Oh, wow. No chance. And so I've been able to come back and share that with my dad and I, I still don't think it's lifted that burden he's carried the, all those years. And because um, I think he's just he's connected that so much Inextricably for so long linked. that he can't un- he can't unlink it. Um, but I think yeah, I think just to kind of help you with the toenail incident, that's like something that I think I can imagine all of the other parenting stories that you know everyone's got for those moments, and and it doesn't phase me in the slightest. My my hearing's never been connected with him, even if it was that. Like, pfft, don't don't know any better. Wouldn't care prefer that he actually just was more upbeat about it and didn't see the sad face every time yeah. I mention I'd probably prefer that over him carrying the burden of it yeah like, yeah so, that's a great point David yeah um but yeah every story is a little different yeah, yeah yeah and obviously like it's tip of the iceberg literally like a you know some horror stories but yeah anyway <laughs> let's not 287, 287. Yeah, yeah yeah all right yeah. um uh, uh, I'm uh, right up there with you on that. I think, but I haven't kept count though. Um, but just going back to obviously your your mum dad played a huge part in in inspiring you as a parent. Now, yep. are there any other role models that you've had along the way that you know you've really looked at and gone, ah, oh, geez, that's just epic. I love what that person does. Um, yeah, I think I think both of my siblings. Um, I think in that space as well. Um, my my sister's got a big family and my brother does as well and I look at sort of the different environments they're both really different in their parenting styles um but I think I'll use my example of a sister who we just visited recently and she's got you know a little um quarter acre half acre block in Moriac and she's got you know the the green thumbs of the Bolas family as well like um and they're they've got a an amazing environment there and what they do and how they've raised their three kids as well who are a few years ahead like the oldest Noah is sort of and it's 12 years old and then they sort of step down in in ages and cross over and so I think yeah those guys spring to mind but maybe that's just another pat on the back of my parents also that it's also a bit of a part of their world and and a lot of crossover yeah yeah oh great now when it comes to sort of some of the things you'd like your kids to be doing over the next few years, what have you sort of put on the board of things to do, things that you've either enjoyed doing or things that you think will be really good to do as a family? Yeah, I think um, trips of really like camping um, and just just immersing in that that world that I had that was a big part of my upbringing. I know you guys are doing a lot of that as well and come right off the back of one recently as well. Um, it's definitely a recurring theme. Yeah, there's, there's a lot I, there. I was really lucky, you know, because having a having a teacher as a a, a mum, you know, we had those holidays. She was, um, the old man would come on the ones that he could throughout the year, um, but we spent we spent most Easter's and Christmases at Pambula, um, up just over into the new New South Wales coast there. I'm um, about sort of eight hours drive from from sort of Melbourne, and we were just at a campground with kangaroos and a river mouth and rocks and um surf beach there and that was just a big part of 
I, I, I didn't grow up by the coast where we are now. I sort of grew up in the suburbs of Melbourne. And so that was a, that was a big part of my DNA and my exposure to sort of nature that became a big part of my love of nature and, and my lifestyle now. So I think, I think back to all of those, those things from crabs and jellyfish and shark sightings and stingrays <laughs> and kangaroo boxing and, um, and then just also just all the crowds that we hung out and, and the unique people that we met camping, even though we were at the same place and it was, you know, fairly domesticated camping, you know, within our tents. I still think it was a, it was a, you know, a really rich space that I've got lots of really strong memories now. So I, I think that's the big thing we want to kind of start to build some rituals around, um, whether that's just a big one once a year or, or, and some micro ones on weekends, um, that's a big one. And I think also uh, our boys are sort of starting, the youngest especially, starting to sort of show a lot of interest in sport. So we'll just be being a bit more conscious around nurturing their individual needs as they're slightly different. Yeah. We've got one that's um, emerging more as a as a reader and a writer and one that just wants to score heaps of goals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what's the, uh, what, what do you think your approach is going to be with sport? Um. I'm really lucky that I get to handball that one a lot to Lauren, um, given that she sort of works with a lot of sort of foundation youth sports areas as well. And so I think she's got sort of certain beliefs. I think we probably try and get them into some more movement, like foundation-based things, like getting them a bit more involved in sort of gymnastics and, and those things as a bit of a launch pad for whatever else comes. As a, as a core yeah, yeah, foundation, foundation to that sets you up for great movers, no matter yeah. what they move into. Yeah, we just got a table tennis table, and yeah. that was off the back of a conversation with you. And I think the main reason was thinking that, you know, especially for, I mean, Will, he's only four, being able to, you know, start connecting hand-eye coordination, I think that's that's gold. And that, that seems to be like a fundamental to me. I could be completely wrong, but it seems like a really sort of low barrier to entry way to really sort of get practicing that, you know, connectivity. Yeah. And it's been a heap of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely would leave that one to the experts to comment on those ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm laughing also about my comments around the gymnastics. I'm laughing that my six-year-old's probably already at full adult adult. Um, life for uh, peak performance within gymnastics yeah <laughs> <laughs> getting back to the, the camping one though i mean we like you said just came back off a, a canoe trip we went camping to go show the kids where they yeah, lived for a year nice. but the canoe trip was a real stretch like that we thought could have gone both ways and it just worked amazingly we we rented a couple of canoes put camp gear trangers sleeping bags everything in and just kayak down the Glenelg for a couple of days it's a couple of nights three days and even like we didn't take any technology there's nothing prescriptive for the kids you know to actually do they were just occupied the whole time they loved it and one of the mornings it the weather came in headwind rain and it was within half an hour of starting and we were just thinking this this could burn us real bad like if they have a, a terrible experience get really cold get soaking wet they're gonna never want to come back and do this so we pulled over at one of the the sort of campgrounds that are just these huts like really run down huts and we bunkered down in there lit the trangia made some hot chocolate had some cookies got all the treats out 
And and it turned around. The kids immediately just forgot that it was cold and wet, and they just started running around in the mud and thinking, "Yeah, let's get back in the canoes." And and it was just such a a great sort of thing to watch. I was like, I think we we can claim this as a massive win, Sarah. <laughs> and so yeah, jump back in the canoes and off we went. And I totally want to do way more of that stuff. Yeah, that's inspirational trip. Yeah, it's funny how resilient we are. Hey, and. I think it's probably not the trip for people who like to have a lot of control because, like you said, it could have gone. There wasn't even phone signal. No. Like, I got halfway through, I was like, holy shit, if this yeah. goes wrong, the, yeah. there literally is no, Telstra's not even out here. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were, that's funny, like, I think we were just having conversations around, like, appetite for risk and and actually, we're kind of lucky, like, our boys, uh, they've become really good walkers and... um yeah, where they're, even the four-year-old can punch out anywhere from like four to six K. That's like awesome. Walking, and that's just because he's doing it every day and he just doesn't have a choice. He's got to keep up with mum. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and she doesn't hang around. No, she doesn't sit still very often. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited by that one. I might start to pencil it down. Well, I, I can't recommend the Glen Elg enough because yeah. apparently it's one of the few rivers that doesn't get mosquitoes either. Wow. Uh, or very few because it's so, you know, it's got steady movement with little areas with well no areas of pockets where mosquitoes can breed so yeah i didn't know that one until we were there because i thought we we could have got eaten alive but it turned out real well so it was lucky <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely going to try and do it again maybe with a bunch of families yeah we've got also probably a few more little rock climbs with their uncle sam who lives in tasmania he's sort of an outdoor ed instructor as well and, and teacher and so i think that we've been able to take the boys on pretty young you know harnessing them up and taking them to the yangs and getting them down Getting getting them comfy on some faces that old dad here that's scared of heights doesn't <laughs> like so much, and so that was that were the sort of the proud moments of realizing that we've got to also all of us have got different comfort levels, and making sure we're not just pushing what mum and dad feel comfy with. Yeah. So that's why I like your story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I think I'd be with you on, yeah. on the rock climbing. Yeah. <laughs> I let mum lead that one. That's yeah. her speciality. Yeah. Oh, that sounds cool. No. I'm totally conscious that taking up loads of your time, Davin. Is there anything that you'd like to mention or any final thoughts before I let you let you get back to work? Um, there's a couple of things. Oh, this is so dangerous, Rich. I just love talking, you know that. <laughs> Lucky you didn't get me after a coffee. Um, I think just on just on the the things that I'm consciously doing with my boys, I just make sure I try not to give them too many no's. It's really easy to just do no's throughout the day. Don't slam the door. Don't do this. Don't do that. Um, and so I just make sure that I try and give them more yeses than I give them no's. And so it's like I kind of catch myself going, don't slam the door, but please don't slam the door, but you could come over here and help me open this one. It's just a bit stuck. Or um, I don't want you to do this, but you could try doing this. And for me, I think that's sort of something that it's definitely in my mind that I'm working on at the moment. Um, yeah, just to make sure that I really catching myself because it's pretty easy when you're when you're in the in the zone as parenting all day long to to not to just to lose your yeses a little bit in the moment. It's much easier to find a no. Um, and I think also the other little part that's been a bit of a parenting thing that I think about now too. I'm just connecting the dots from the conversation earlier was. Yeah, that that empathy and that perspective of parenthood, I think, has like pushed me over the last few years to just want to spend more time with my old man and make sure that 
I'm doing things with him that are informing the memories that I'll have in, you know, our adult life as well and not getting just too caught up only in my shift as a as a parent as well. Yeah. And so we're just in the process at the moment that's been really fulfilling. Just we're going to make a guitar together, which is sort of something from scratch that we're just been chipping away at and we'll do hopefully sort of finish in early into next year. But that's sort of a commitment for me of saying, well, I want to make sure I commit to spending, you know, 100 or 250 hours with your old man. Like, let's do it and um, and make sure I capture some of that wisdom that you've got, um, some of that wizardry with the uh, woodworking skills as well um, that make sure that I can kind of make sure that I can do those things with my boys when I've done this and maybe go on. Maybe we'll be making recorders that will drive mum crazy in the house. <laughs> Was um, that his idea or your idea? Um, he he makes he makes instruments. I mean, he's he's always been fixing and refurbing guitars, um, and makes a lot of ukuleles. And I'm challenging him to scale his his economy there. His to go up to some, yeah, just to scale it to something um, a little bigger and challenge himself and me as well. Um, and for me to hopefully have a guitar that I love using that I'll be making songs on for years to come. That's a representation of that relationship as well. That's super cool. I love the fact that, it, like you say, it's so easy to lose sight of where you've come from in that sense, and and just focus on the job in hand. Yeah, and I've lost I've lost that a little bit. It's been lagging for the last year, and we just had a we just sort of lost someone in the family, a grandparent, and that's kind of just driven me to make sure I pull that project back in line and bring it to the forefront and make sure it's progressing and making sure the wood's on its way and the plans are ready and that I'm not the constraint. Yeah, I like it. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That's such a good idea. That's great, Devin. And, well, I want to see that guitar. You should have a play of it when it's done, mate. That sounds brilliant. Awesome. Well, thanks ever so much. This has been really insightful. I really appreciate your time, Devin. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Devin. Devin just wanted me to add a couple of things for him. One, that he thinks there are amazing teachers and leaders for our kids in all education streams, not just Steiner. And two, that the things he was describing are what Rudolf Steiner strives for and doesn't always achieve. Now, before you go, if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd really love it if you could take a minute or two to give it a review on whatever platform you consume your podcasts on. It really helps. As always, if you have any questions or want to reach out to me, my email is rich at thedadmindset.com. Hope you have a great week, and in the meantime, enjoy your caffeinated beverage.